Welcome to Startup Hacks, a We Global podcast. We explore the stories and secret strategies that women entrepreneurs use to save time and money when bootstrapping and building their businesses. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina, and today I'm excited to welcome Fernanda Dobal. Fernanda is an innovation designer turned entrepreneur with a BA in philosophy, politics, and economics, and a dual MA. MSc in Global Innovation from the Royal College of Art and Imperial um, College in London. She has a background in edtech, building digital projects, products, and in 2019, she started Bia.care to help women going through menopause access information, expert care, and treatment. Welcome, Fernanda. Hi, happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today and being part of our show. I'd like to begin by having you share a little bit about you and your background with the audience so they get to know uh, a little bit about where you came from and your journey. Sure, sure, happy to. Um, So I'm originally from Brazil, um, but I've kind of lived all over the world. I've spent uh, a long time living in Australia, a long time in the US, and now I actually live in London. And I've had a bit of a a roundabout journey into where I am now, which is design and entrepreneurship. Uh, As you as you mentioned in your introduction, I actually studied philosophy, politics and economics. Um, And I did that because basically I couldn't decide. There were too many interesting things. Mm -hmm. Um, And after that, I I moved to New York, um, kind of the, the, the city that draws so many people and found my professional footing at a mission driven education startup. Um, and it was there that I really discovered design and the power of tech to make people's lives better. And it, it started me on this journey of um, social impact in, in my career. So interesting. I, I was wondering if you could dig a little deeper on this idea of design and tech innovation for our audience so they have a frame of reference of what you mean by that. Absolutely. Um, so, so the master's I did was called global innovation design, which is a lot of big words. Um, But in thinking of design innovation, really we're thinking of using design processes, methodologies um, to create innovations. And that means creating things that can address people's needs in a way that's technologically feasible. And that's also viable in the world. Um, I had a professor who talked about the difference between an invention and an innovation. And an invention is something that, that someone makes up, maybe in a lab somewhere, um, sometimes in a, in a garage. Uh, but an innovation needs to come into the world and, and actually be viable to, to be considered that. Interesting. So once you um, decided to become an entrepreneur, was, this, was there a specific field that you drove directly into? Or were there some corporate positions that you had prior that kind of uh, what your appetite for a particular type of industry? Yeah, so I, I spent about four years in education technology um, at a at a startup that that grew. So I kind of got to scale with it, which was fun. Um, and that's where I learned about product and design, the power of tech. Um, I then went back to school because I it felt a little bit like now or never um, in terms of where I was with my career. I had lots of friends doing MBAs, um, but I knew that's what I, that wasn't for me. And so I discovered this, this small master's program, um, which, which was around this premise that I explained about design innovation. And it was there that I got to do research in London, Tokyo and New York, um, which was a dream. But 
but really I worked around this theme of making science accessible through design. So from kind of helping kids learn math, which I'd done in my previous job, to working on projects that helped visualize climate change data, to designing a toy that um, taught kids about sustainability in the carbon cycle, to Biocare Now, which is actually in women's health, which is a different field, um, but still is within this theme of making science and research accessible, teaching you know, women how to take care of their health um, and actually push for more science because that's something we definitely need. We need more research into women's health. Um, but I, I would see that the overarching theme um, of my career so far which is perhaps not so industry specific. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. So jumping back to the design element. Um, so it seems like a lot of the work that you have done takes innovation and turns it into a visual, tangible experience for a user. Would that be accurate? Yeah. And I would say it's even a step before that. So design is a, is a process. Um, so it's, it's as much on the user research side in finding the insights uh, that will lead to the solution as it is in, in making that solution into a, a visual, tangible thing. Right. So from an architectural standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. From, mm-hmm. from the whole kind of beginning of, of being obsessed with a problem, um, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of startup founders have to be, right? Right. Really obsessed right. with the of problem course. rather than the solution. Right. So uh, tell us a little bit then about your current startup. Absolutely. Um, So last year um, I joined Zinc, which is the UK's largest social impact accelerator. And it was there that my entrepreneurial journey began. So I was really interested in supporting women um, and, and improving quality of life for women. And it was at Zinc that I came upon the issue of menopause. Here was this like really enormous issue that's been glossed over by society and the medical establishment. And we have so many women who are blindsided, right? They hit a wall often at the peak of their careers. Um, when we think of menopause, often you, you think about hot flushes, um, but actually there's so many more. There are 34 symptoms, which includes psychological symptoms like anxiety and mood swings, um, brain fog. I spoke to a lot of women who, at the peak of their career, giving a you know a lecture to 500 people, which was normal for them, suddenly not being able to do it. Um, and I, having been through my own struggles with my hormones, just just couldn't believe that there was no, so little support out there. And so at Zinc, um, the time that I was looking at this, I, I met my co-founder, who's a doctor with an interest in endocrinology. And so we came together having kind of very different skill sets, but very aligned values and did a lot of user research um, to come up with Biocare, which is now seeking to support women in their menopausal journey. And have you, what stage are you at now? Have you launched your um, service? No. So we are in the early days um, Mm -hmm. still. So we've, um, yeah, we've been operating for, for less than a year from the very beginning. Um, and we've basically done lots of prototyping um, and, and lots of user research to, to figure out what is the right insight and to get towards product market fit, um, which at this stage is, is the most important thing. I think a lot of people have a lot of theories around what will be the product market fit um, for this sphere of women's health, but nobody's quite got there yet. And so are you, are you going to eventually be releasing an application is, or is it a, a web application or a mobile app? Yeah. So I think it's, um, a, 
probably eventually all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's really about using the the power of technology to to leverage and create a step change on the existing system of of healthcare. Mm-hmm. I think what I bring um, from my non healthcare background is is this perspective of how do we change this thing that's really ingrained? Um, so how do we bring these insights from the world of education into changing how healthcare is delivered? Healthcare feels like such a hierarchical thing. You go to the doctor, they give you something to take, then you go home, you wonder if you should actually take it. You're not sure if the side effects are normal. And I think we really need to, to dramatically shift those dynamics um, to make the whole experience more patient-centric. And so mm. that's what we want to use technology to do. God, that sounds interesting. And do you think um, you'll be able to beta test it next year or what's your timeline? Yeah, so so looking at 2021 for a launch. Fabulous. Um, so I would imagine that probably during this period of time that you've been developing your business, you're very much in the throes of the... Um, birthing stage and all of the challenges and and all the beauty that comes with it. So I'm sure that you have your own um, startup hacks that you have Mm -hmm. developed internally in order to save time, money, and gain a competitive edge or maintain a competitive edge, which oftentimes during the R&D stage is so important because you don't want to um, go to market until you're totally prepared but at the same time, you want to beat your competitors. So it's always a balancing act. So I was wondering if you could um, share from your perspective, which is probably very real time, some of the um, strategies that you use. And, you know, it can be time management, self-care, how you maintain a competitive edge, or even software and services that you have used that you found really helped you to extend the amount of time that you have and the and to extend the amount of money that you um, currently have. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I can think of a few. So so the first one is, and I think I have to say this as a designer, is to stay kind of user-centered. Um, and that means being really obsessed with the problem rather than the solution, because the solution will change. And as you're obsessed with the problem and you, you come across insights, check that again and again with your potential users. So engage with them with, you know, questions, interviews, um, co-creation groups or something. You can look up co-creation workshops where you bring users together. You can do all this virtually um, and have them kind of ideate with you on on solutions to their problems. I think this is kind of the biggest hack for getting to product market fit sooner um, is keeping your users involved in the whole journey, not just the very beginning. Um, And so another one that is related to design that I always surprises me that people don't know about. Um, there's this concept in design that we say to build a works like and a looks like. And so what that means is you have two versions of whatever it is you're building. It can be you know a piece of hardware or it can be a technology. Um, but on the one hand, you have your looks like prototype. So that can be a beautiful render um, that you can hire a designer to do an illustration. And then on the other hand, you have a works like. So this is the hack together. Um, you know, it could be a cardboard mock-up. It could have an Arduino with a bunch of wires, but it has the functionality you're trying to prove. And by separating both of those things, you can really successfully convey your ideas, whether that be to investors, users, so forth. And um, and is that something that you used in building your own product? 
Yeah, so our first MVP was kind of a bunch of services hacked together, um, a very unscalable model of, of people in the back end, like pulling things together, responding in real time. Whereas in the future, we intend to automate some of these things with, with artificial intelligence and um, using technology. But just just doing it that way, um, while at the same time presenting a very beautiful like interface to our users, um, lets us understand where the leverage points are, what they like, don't like, um, and lets us communicate our idea rather than trying to create the perfect thing the first time, because that's going to be really expensive and it's definitely going to change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's jump, jump back to the co-creation workshops. I, I found that interesting. Is that something that you're that you have um, ongoing or and in, in how did you put that together? Did you go out and just solicit friends of friends who were going through menopause? What was your process? Yeah, so the the first one we put together um, it's at the very beginning and we it's it's done in a, it's kind of like a design thinking workshop if you've ever done something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you bring you bring the stakeholders in with you. Um, and so, if you imagine people are ideating um, or going through a user journey, you have those stakeholders also go through that user journey of a third user um, and kind of imagine what their pain points are, imagine what they're going through, try to come up with solutions as well. Um, and those can be really useful for, for gaining insights you wouldn't necessarily have. So pre-COVID, we'd all get into a room and do it. Um, but nowadays, you know, using Zoom, using tools like Miro.com, um, which is essentially like a whiteboard and you can do like virtual sticky notes has been um, has been great. And it can be with any kind of, of stakeholder. It could be also with your providers. So for instance, we did one with um, healthcare providers because we thought that would give us a, a separate range of insights. Mm-hmm. As well as with consumers. Exactly. And... Um... And in terms of software and services, uh, I mean, you mentioned one, which was uh, Miro. Um, are there other services or software that you found really were helpful for you to kind of stretch a dollar? Mm. I think um, many providers will have a startup discount. Mm-hmm. And so don't be afraid to email out the tools you want to use and see if they'll offer you a deal. Um, I think it's definitely more and more tools and I think Miro actually gave us a, a first year for free or something because it's it's in their interest, right? They want you to start using their services early so that they'll grow with you and scale with you as you do. Um, so definitely shot out some of those emails. I think like, I think the truth is Google Sheets will take you very far. <laughs> and um, it's, a, it's a great service we've been using, yeah. And how do you spell Miro just for our listeners in case they are unsure? Of course, M I. R for Romeo O. Got it. And um, I, I know you're originally from Brazil. I don't know. Um, and ironically, I'm also, um, I'm not Brazilian, but I'm Portuguese myself. Um, and we both speak Portuguese. Um, do you ever, um, do you have family there? Do you find that balancing kind of your uh, work life, personal life um, is kind of challenging in the entrepreneurial um with the entrepreneurial lifestyle, as so many of us um, are pulled in so many different directions. And, and is there something that you do that really kind of helps in the self-care category, which is also very important? Absolutely. Um, I think, yes, I do. My So my mother's um, 
in Australia and my father's in Brazil. And so spread out across the world. And this year I've, I haven't gotten in a plane in 11 months, which um, has never happened, I think, since I was a child. <laughs> so it's definitely been um, kind of a blessing and a curse because there's very little FOMO uh, to be working all the time when everyone else is kind of at home anyway. Right. But, but I think because of that, the self-care becomes even more important because we don't have these natural boundaries. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's exercises is a big one um, and, and keeping those endorphins up. The, the other thing that's been that's been really helpful is um, I have a team coach with my co-founder yeah. and she's someone we meet every other week for an hour. Um, and it gives us the space to have sometimes difficult discussions, sometimes to just check in and see how we're doing. Um, and having that third person there is, um, yeah, it's really invaluable. And what um, does it help to kind of keep you both on track or deal with disputes? I mean, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I think it helps us um, make sure our communication is really clear. And we are very different in terms of working styles and in terms of personalities. Um, mm. For instance, I'm, I would say I'm more of a people person. And so I get a lot of my energy from people. Um, and sometimes that's not always obvious. And so being able to communicate that um, and having a space to, that's, that's meant for reflection and communication um, is, is something that's been incredible. Because you spend so much time together. <laughs> right. It sounds like marriage therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is always tricky after you leave the room and then you have to go um, kind of back to work or back to house, uh, back to your home. Um, so let's talk about one last uh, area of hacking. And that is if there's any kind of leadership related um, strategies or hacks that you use in order to kind of govern and manage the entire entrepreneurial effort? Yeah, I mean, I think a big one for me, um, because again, I'm a, I'm a first time founder and it can be quite a, an overwhelming task. And so what we really look to do is document our processes um, and, and also learn from people who made the same mistakes maybe before you, whether they're angel investors or advisors or people who wrote a great medium article on the internet. Um, I think it's, it's about growing this pool of knowledge that you can tap into because you don't always have time to struggle through and learn things for the first time um, when you're in the thick of it. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, and the other thing I've been thinking a lot about in terms of leadership recently uh, is around principles. Um, and actually making a concerted effort to, to write down principles um, that I have for myself, that I have for the business, which can hopefully guide um, my decision making and, and be kind of a blueprint for that. Because I think there's there's so many unknown unknowns in making these early day decisions um, that it's helpful to ha have, have kind of that um, guidance. Yeah, absolutely. Especially um, when you're working 24-7 and you want to yeah. want to be able to memorialize um, all that you're doing so that you can create your own systems and save time. Um, I was wondering if um, as we um, as as we kind of talk about the various ways in which you've 
learned uh, and are learning how to be more efficient in terms of your time and your money. If there's if there's anything that kind of sticks out in your mind as um, something you wish you had known when you first started out that you think would have been really helpful in creating um, kind of better startup hack strategies. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this. I think it's just be as organized as you can. And I know that's a hard one because you're trying to move really quickly and you're like, oh, I'll just put this here and I'll put this there and then I'll find it later. Um, but there's so many things that need to fit in your brain and that actually being really organized will save you a lot of time in the long run. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And are you working with other uh, people within your um, company, like advisors or other employees that you're able to kind of delegate and, and have leadership roles over? Uh, yes, yes. We have some, some people working with us at the moment um, and checking in. So classic stand, um, startup kind of doing, you know, weekly goals, stand-ups in the morning, putting mm. everyone on the same page, aligning those objectives. Um, super important for sure. Yeah. So for um, for um, just for for fun, um, before we sign off, I have a, a few questions, a few additional questions. If you could wave a magic wand, um, what is the one thing that drives you crazy that you wish someone would find a solution for that would help your productivity and your sanity? Oh gosh, this is a really hard one because I was like, if there was a magic wand and I had such, something so specific, I'd probably try to solve it. <laughs> um, but I, if it's a magic wand, um, when I was growing up and studying for exams, I always wished there was a, a, a phone booth or a cabin I could go into where time would just stop but continue on the inside so that I could do more. Um, right. So right. if it's a truly magic wand, that would be my wish. <laughs> um yeah so how do you metaphorically accomplish that I guess that's really what we're talking about um it's yeah. interesting because COVID in some ways even though obviously it's completely tragic and it's a pandemic has um provided that a little bit um for the yeah. entire globe and the opportunity to kind of be forced to slow down and do things very differently Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a time of great reflection, I think, for the world. Yeah. And I also am wondering from uh, from your view in London, if you have seen that the entrepreneurial ecosystem, if it's changed at all, in particular for women during this time. There's been a lot of um, a big push for, well, femtech, um, but also just in general, women in in business and women in on, entrepreneurial roles. Um that's very active in the ecosystem here, which is greatly encouraging. Oh, that's great. So you're finding that women are being supported more now? Uh, yes, there's, I mean, there's constantly events and, and, and things happening virtually. And I actually think because all of them are virtual, it means that you have the opportunity to attend things that you wouldn't otherwise because you'd be running around London or you'd be too busy. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. I think that's uh, one of the 
positive benefits of virtual yeah. meetings, uh, the accessibility to all. So, Fernanda, we unfortunately are out of time, and I wanted to thank you so much for being on Startup Hacks today. Your insights were very helpful. And if our listeners would like to reach out to you or learn more about your company and what you're developing, where should they go? Yeah, you can visit us on our website, um, which is just www.bia.care. Um, and feel free to shoot out an email to hello at bia.care. Could you mind spelling the bia.care just so our listeners are clear? Of course. Um, it's beta alpha, oops, <laughs> beta island alpha dot care is um, cat alpha Romeo Echo. Got it. Thank you. Well, tune in next week for more Startup Hacks. We have another great show you won't want to miss on the secret female founder strategies that can save you time and money when building your business. This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital do-it-yourself startup platform for women. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina. See you next week.